following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. This morning we're talking about the kingdom of God, but in, an, in a different way. You see, we're always talking about the power of God and the love of God and the grace of God and the calling of God. We've been talking lately, going through the book of Romans, about the will of God and how you and I can not only know His will, we can test it and we can walk in the will of God according to the plans He has. So we're always talking about God. But today, we're looking at things from a little different standpoint. We're looking at where does God and government fit together? Is there a place for God in government? Where do we fit in? Where do believers fit in with secular governments and all these uh, you know, government leaders around the world? Are these two different worlds or, or has God got a design here? Because to be honest with you, when you look at governments and you see some things that happen, if you're like me, you start to question, where is God in this? Have you ever done that? Come on, honesty in the house of God. You go, where is, where is God in this? You look at governments and you look what, what's going on and you're thinking, where is God in this? If we're honest, we ask that question sometimes because we don't really know what to, to do with it. I think what we tend to do, if you're like me, we, we can sometimes separate the sacred from the secular. We can sort of look at things black and white, the sacred and the secular. And if you look at Jesus, he walked in the full power of God and he walked in all kinds of secular environments. Everywhere he went, he carried the kingdom of God with him. And I would just encourage you that if you are prone to separate the sacred from the secular, um, maybe rethink that a little bit because I don't think God wants us to separate everything sacred and secular. He wants us to walk as a called out people in the fullness of his spirit according to the word and permeate a society and not be so categorical about, well, this is the world and this is not, but walk right yourself. Live pure before God. Walk in the anointing. Walk in the spirit. Walk in holiness but also be light and salt and affect the world around you. We're going through Romans, and we're at Romans 13 today. And it's this passage in Scripture that really looks at God and government. And it's interesting, we don't talk very much about government. In fact, we virtually never do. But when it comes up in Scripture so clear, we have to address what about the believer and government? Where does this fit together? What's going on? Especially when you might not appreciate everything government does. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you might like the candidates that are leading, sometimes you don't. Where does this fit in with the life of a believer? Well, in Romans 13, these seven verses we're looking at right here are some of the clearest clarity in Scripture for your role and mine, what we have to do with government. Where is God in the picture of government and where are we in the mix? It's pretty interesting, it's very insightful, and it talks about our roles with government and civil authorities and how are we supposed to respond to that. So let's jump into this real quick. It's uh, verse 1 of Romans 13. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. It starts out like this. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear 
of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do bear the sword for no do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So the setup is this. Romans 13 is talking about civil authorities and governments. Romans 12 just finished with a concept that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. If you have an area where somebody wronged you or somebody harmed you or, or did something that really upset you, the Bible's saying don't retaliate. That's what Romans 12 just said. The Bible is saying vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God is saying I will handle it. God will handle it. And it rolls right into this chapter where it's saying how does God handle some things? He handles some things through government. When people break laws and crimes, God's like, yeah, I have a, there's, there's governments and there's elected officials in place that God uses. Now, here's the paradox. You and I typically look at, like, look at something like this and we say, if you're like me, you say, but what if the leaders aren't believers? What if the government is not Christian? What if they're not following the word of God? How can God possibly use them? Have you ever kind of thought that or wondered that? It's very natural to think that, but the text is telling us that God is sovereign over governments and God allows things for certain seasons for different reasons. Sometimes God allows governments for the blessing of people and sometimes it's for consequences and judgment. Believe it or not, even Israel endured this. During Solomon's reign, the focus of Israel is we are building the temple and we are going to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And do you know what happened in that environment? Israel thrived and was blessed beyond any other time in the history of Israel. In the history of the nation, Israel was thriving. Where, where their borders were and the, just the, the whole life of Israel was, was amazing and blessed by God as they prioritized worship. Next generation... There's fighting and there's this stuff going on and Israel is now divided and never since Solomon has Israel been as blessed as it was. When God was the priority and the worship was the priority, God was blessing and pouring out. But there were also other times when Israel walked away from God. They started worshiping false gods. They started compromising everything that had to do with his word. And God used other governments for consequences. And in fact, he let Babylon come in and conquer Israel. God warned many times. The Bible says God doesn't do anything without first revealing it through the prophets. And so God warned, turn, turn, I love you, turn. But if you don't turn and you refuse to, even though I tell you year after year, if you don't turn, I'm going to have to take my hand of blessing away from you. I will have to take protection away. And so what happened is God used Babylon and the Babylonians came in and conquered, and Israel said, how could it be? How could God use somebody like the Babylonians? Those are mean people. How could God use pagans to come in and, and, and be an instrument of his judgment? And the whole point is God saying, I'll use whoever I use, because God can use governments to either bless or to judge. But the reality is, uh, he does use them, and he's talking about that civil governments are an institution of God interesting we don't think of it that way 
God instituted some really clear governments or orders, if you will. In a household, in a family, God has an institution of marriage that he instituted. There's, a, there's an order in that. God established an institution in the church for order in the church, and God established an institution in government that we don't normally think about, but we got to be careful when we start separating the sacred from the secular, when we start separating everything black and white, because what this is telling us is God is in the mix, even though we don't get it all the time, God is still sovereign over circumstance. In fact, remember Jesus. He's standing before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate says, Jesus, do you know that I have the authority to spare your life or take it? And Jesus says, uh, sir, you wouldn't have anything if my father didn't give it to you first. Wow. Really? Really? Pilate at that time is thinking, yeah, I wonder how I got this gig anyway. You know? It wasn't my test scores, you know? Um, God is sovereign. He orchestrates. He allows things. Even Pilate to be the guy who was in charge at the time of the crucifixion, that's not happenstance. That's not coincidence. This side of heaven, don't try figuring all this out because we don't have the capacity to figure all this out, to get our head around why and how and, and when. But this is saying clearly, God allows elected officials for seasons and reigns, and it could be for blessing or it could be for judgment. We see both in the history of Israel. Um, so it's saying because of that, we need to submit to God's order and we need to honor. It says don't resist the government, don't take a stand against it. Uh, and I say that because some have a view that government is bad and they've hijacked everything and you know, the government is, you know, and, and some can go off on a tangent about the government. Scripture is saying for the believer, don't do that. Give honor where honor is due and, and respect where respect is due. Recognize that it's an institution of God. It doesn't mean that we have to be pacifists. It doesn't mean that if we don't, it doesn't mean we, that we don't stand for our convictions. We stand for our convictions and we be a voice for the voiceless and we stand for the things that honor God and by the grace of God, we live in a democracy where our, gov- our government is by the people and for the people and that we have the opportunity to stand and, and, and hold a position. Um, I was back uh, last week in Philadelphia and in Philadelphia, downtown Philadelphia, it used to be the capital of the United States. It was uh, before Washington was the capital. And it was... Um, Amazing, because they have the Constitution Center down there. You can see the Constitution and the early documents and the founding fathers. And it's interesting walking through. But it's really, it was amazing to note that the founding fathers all had profound convictions in their faith. Most of them did. And you can read where they were coming from. They were coming from saying that Jesus is really the ultimate authority and, and the word of God. And they, they came from this place as, as when, when, they, when they wrote out the Constitution, uh, they were coming from a place of recognition of God and recognition that, that he blesses us and we have this profound opportunity. Um, I say that because there's seasons in the life of a nation where we honor God and God honors us. And like Israel, if we don't honor God, you cannot expect God to honor us as a nation. We can't. It would be very foolish for us to think that we are the most blessed and most protected and wealthy and we have the highest quality of life of anybody that's ever lived on the planet. We are the most endowed nation to ever live. 
And yet we have this expectation of God's blessing, his provision, that it goes on and on and on. From history, we look at Israel. And when God was first, God blessed. And when God was not first, God didn't bless. And I think of the, the earliest ones coming over here. You think of the Quakers. And they came over because they just wanted to worship God free, freely. I think of Israel building the temple. We just want to worship you. And I think of all the blessing that came from it. And I say that because at the end, there's going to be an opportunity. I really think this is a call for us to stand and pray for our nation, to really pray for those uh, that God is orchestrating and moving. The Bible says, if my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. How many think we need a little healing in our land? Okay. If you don't turn on the news tonight, and you'll probably change your view, we need healing in our land. We want to be a nation that honors God. If we honor God, God will honor us. This is really important. And at the end when we pray, we're going to do it like this. For those of you, and I know some don't want to pray with other people because it's a little you know, vulnerable or weird or you're not comfortable with it, that's totally fine. At the end when we worship, you can just bow your head and just pray for the direction of our nation and as a people that we would represent our God and our King well. And for those of you who want to pray with somebody else, you can stand and pray. But this is important because the Bible is telling us to honor this institution that God put in place. Now, when is it ever okay for us to not obey civil authorities? When is it okay, is it ever okay for civil disobedience? Because the Bible gives us examples of that, believe it or not. And here it is in a nutshell. If you're a note taker, this is probably a good way to write it down. But if the government requires you to do what the Bible prohibits you to do, that's a time where you just got to say no. The government requires you to do what the Bible prohibits you to do. The opposite is true. If the government prohibits you to do what the Bible requires you to do, you would have to say no. Great example of this is uh, Daniel. Daniel was told, in the, in the book of Daniel, he was told, you're not allowed to pray to any other. You can't pray to your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Daniel was a model citizen. Daniel was highly respected. The guy was like the model citizen, except for right here. Daniel's like, you know what? I got to draw the line right here. Because if you're requiring me to do what the Bible prohibits me to do, pray to the emperor, there's no way I'm going to do that. And so there are times when there, 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 there's a requirement to, for people to say no. In fact, Jesus said it very well in Matthew. He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but render unto God what is God. There are things that are Caesar's. Jesus didn't say nothing is Caesar's. Caesar is in charge. God allowed that for that season, and there are things that are to be rendered to season, Caesar, which represents the government. But there are things that are to be rendered to God that cannot be rendered to Caesar. Does that make sense? Render to Caesar what Caesar's, render to God what is, what is God. And so Daniel modeled that really well. Acts 4.19, there's a little snapshot where Peter and John, they get arrested for sharing their testimony. And the Sanhedrin, even though they're not the Roman government, they had authority over the whole temple and the religious affairs of Jerusalem. They said, don't you ever share this name of Jesus ever again. You got it? And instead of obeying that, they had to go back to 
what God said. Again, if government prohibits you from doing what the Bible commands you to do, that would be a time. And they turn around and said, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. In other words, if there's a time you're told you cannot share, do you obey that? Or do you obey the living God? You obey the living God. And so when we look at God and government, we have to understand that God is in the mix. He uses government as an instrument. It could be blessing. It could be consequence. Only God knows the seasons. We can look at the evidence and the fruit and know whether it's blessing or consequences. But the reality is we, we, we look to God and we look to his authority for, for what we follow and what we don't follow. And if the government doesn't have a flat-out contradiction to what the Bible's calling you to do, it's required of us to, to do this. Now, the interesting thing about this, Paul wrote this during the Roman Empire. He wrote this when Rome was in charge. He wrote this when Israel didn't have a lot of rights, even in their own land. He wasn't saying this applies only if you have a God-fearing democracy. He didn't say this applies only if you have spirit-filled, word-based leaders. I wish he said it that way. It would be, easier pill to, it'd be an easier pill to swallow. He's saying, no, even with the Roman Empire in place, this is the reality. God is sovereign even over this kind of stuff. And so Paul, even Paul, he suffered under Nero. And Nero, uh, excuse me, Paul didn't say, well, you know, it's the government's problem and it's the government's fault and it's these leaders and these evil people. He didn't say that. When Jesus went before Pilate, he didn't say, well, you're mean and you're evil and you don't even deserve to be here. He said, you wouldn't be here unless my father let you be here. Does, does that make sense? That shows that Jesus the Christ, the word in flesh, is telling us that God is sovereign even in these situations. Not everybody had this view. There were a group of people called the Zealots. The Zealots were a group of people in Israel. The Zealots were an interesting, interesting crew. The Zealots wanted to overthrow the government. They didn't want Rome anywhere around, and they refused to pay taxes. The Zealots were kind of like this underground movement, if you will, in Israel. And what I love about Jesus, Jesus is looking around for apostles, right? And, and I just love his heart. It just shows that he reaches out to everybody. And he's looking around for apostles, and he's praying about who to choose. He picks Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot gets to be an apostle. This guy was like an anti-government guy, at least his past. This guy was an anti-establishment. We ain't paying taxes. Taxes are wrong. They're evil. They're mean. And, and we're not going to do it. Hmm. That's Simon the Zealot. At the same time, he picks Matthew the tax collector. Ha. I mean, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Matthew the tax collector. It's like the guy working for the IRS, right? We're going to pick him and we're going to take the anti-government guy. Imagine this, you got a barbecue at your house. You invite your two friends over. One guy works for the IRS. The other guy's anti-government. You bring up the topic of taxes and you say, talk amongst yourself, guys. I'm going to check the burgers. <laughs> That's what Jesus, he was so inclusive in his view of the kingdom of God that he takes a zealot and he takes a tax collector and he puts them together as servants in the same kingdom. And that zealot, by the way, went on, he was in that upper room to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And church history says that he went out and reached many souls in the, in the nation of Egypt. The zealot. 
And so I just love the heart of Jesus when it comes to this. But, you know, Simon the Zealot didn't stay the Zealot. When he met the resurrected Jesus, he got a tune-up on his view and his understanding that we're in the world but not of the world and that God is sovereign even over circumstances. And I just love how this was broken down. But uh, anyway, here's some things. Church and government. We should never confuse our roles. The government can never do the church's job. And the church can never do the government's job. We weren't designed to. These are two different institutions that God has established. According to Romans, the leaders are in place as God institutes. And to church, he's got different orders in each one. And so uh, our government's made up of officials by the people and for the people. But the church, this is what the Bible says about us. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. The government is to protect and serve and to hold people accountable to the laws of the land. But the church exists to know God and to make him known. The church exists to experience the living God and to share that experience, to love God and to share his love. We have different missions in in the very realm for which we were designed. Uh, Governments are temporary, and so they affect people temporarily. But the church is eternal. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And the church is eternal because God uses the church to touch the lives of people, and they are changed forever. So God and government are completely, categorically, um, I mean, excuse me, the church and government are categorically different. Yet, in God's design, we're not supposed to be categorical in our view of where is God in this. We need to know it's an institution and that we are supposed to acknowledge and respect that institution that God's established. Uh, Governments, here's one. Governments can be stopped and can be toppled, but the church goes on forever according to the resurrected Jesus. Again, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, hell itself with all the minions and powers and cannot stop the church of Jesus Christ. But governments can be stopped and historically they have been. These are completely different realities because nothing's going to stop the word of God and the spirit of God. The word of God won't return void. It's going to establish everything that God set it up to do. That's what it says about itself. The spirit of God cannot be stopped. And so they are different, and yet God is saying, I've established this, recognize it. And I believe the point is this, guys, that as believers, if you're a believer in the resurrected Jesus today, we are called to be model citizens. That's what Paul's saying. Don't use Christianity as an excuse to exempt from participating in the system that God has established. God has ordained governments. He's ordained to be here for such a time as this. We are not supposed to run from, we are supposed to engage with. Does that make sense? We are supposed to be light and salt. So we charge, we don't retreat, we stand, we pray for those uh, elected officials. We pray for the direction of our nation. We pray. When we see things that are wrong and that are broken, we stand. We be a voice for the voiceless. You know, when you look at the abolition movement, the abolition of slavery, it wasn't the people from the colleges or the government that said, hey, I think this is wrong. It was the people in the resurrected Jesus. It was the church that said, this is wrong. People have rights. You can't do that. It was the people of God who stood up and said, you know what? No, don't do that. And the momentum of the people, the believers, started to have an effect on the government. Do you see the order of that? The momentum, the spirit in people and believers started to have momentum that started to affect the government and change the nation. It wasn't the other way around. 
It wasn't legislation backwards changing the people. It was the hearts of people affecting the nation. You see how that works? That's important because if you try to affect things from the top down, you can affect some change. But when it's from the inside out, that's like going viral. That's contagious. That's the way the kingdom of God permeated the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire wasn't opposed to Christianity. The Roman Empire allowed thousands of religions. They didn't care. But some early Christians were pulling out and retreating from everything to, with, to, that had to do with society. And Paul's like, guys, there's no officials that are in place that God doesn't know that they're there and has allowed. And, and he's telling the church to engage, to be light, to be salt, to participate. Don't be so quick to separate the sec- sacred and the secular, but to, to walk in it. And so the last section is this, and it's in verse 6. In fact, this would be good if the worship team come up on this. This is an interesting, interesting topic. Some of you might not, not like this topic, but verse 6 says this. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Interesting topic of taxes. What did you talk about at church today? No, we didn't talk about taxes. We talked about being model citizens as believers in the resurrected Jesus. And part of that model citizenship is to recognize governing authorities and to pay taxes. Um, You know, it's interesting. When you think about taxes, sometimes Christians can be like those zealots. Where I don't want to pay taxes and it's wrong. Listen, not paying taxes is not only illegal, it's unethical. And if you're a believer in the resurrected Jesus, if you believe that his word is the living word, that it's inspired and written by God, if you really believe that, then, then the Bible's commanding. And this is not an April 15th sermon, by the way, uh, tax time sermon. This is just the reality. As we teach through the Bible, we come right up on this and we have to go there on this topic. You probably won't hear that you need to pay taxes uh, for the next five years maybe in church or something like that. But the reality is, God wants us to know if you owe taxes, pay them. If you owe revenue, if you owe somebody money, don't use faith or grace to kind of get out of it. If you owe somebody money, if you owe them a debt, pay the debt. If you owe someone honor, give honor. And that even goes, when you think of some of the um, caricatures that you have, these cartoon figures that people make of uh, leaders in the nation, you know, you've got to be really careful with some of that humor because... You can have a stand against a position, and in a democracy, you can stand and communicate and stand for the things that are right and good and for change. But to mock leaders when people do that, that's just not the heart of God. And so, um, in conclusion, I just want to say that we are called to be modeled citizens. We're called to be light and salt. We are called to render to Caesar what's Caesar's, but render to God what's God's. We're in the world, but not of the world. But we are in the world. And when God told the Israelites and he gave them the land of Canaan, he said to them, I'm giving you the land, but you have to occupy it. God's like, I'm not going to occupy it for you. I'm going to give you the land, but you occupy it. You infiltrate this land. You invade this land with the love of God. You be carriers of my kingdom everywhere you go. And I just think that this is a little bit of a paradigm shift for us to look at our faith, not just being so private, 
But how do we display the love of God in all sectors of life? How do we do it and not separate the sacred from the secular? How do we walk out and execute the fullness of this? How about if you have a neighborhood council in your area, why don't you sign up and be part of it? Something like that. Why don't you join the PTA if your kids are in a public school or you have that opportunity? Rather than retreat, why not charge? Why not infiltrate? Why not take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of us? We want to render to Caesar what's Caesar's. We want to render to God what's God's. And um, we're going we're gonna to wrap up and, and pray right now. And so maybe the worship team could just kind of play quietly in the back for the, for the next five minutes. But this is what I want to encourage you to do. We are at a time in history when I read the book of Revelation and I see the unfolding of things in our time. We are living in unprecedented times. Let me say it again. We're living in unprecedented times. The amount of change as quick as it's happened has never happened in the history of the planet as it is right now. And we're here for such a time as this. We shouldn't be shocked. We shouldn't be surprised. We should walk in trust and faith and walk in the power and the counsel of God in this season. But the Bible also in 2 Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name, and that's all of you in this room today if you believe in the resurrected Jesus, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, that he will hear from heaven and they will heal our land. I want to ask you to, to pray with one another this morning. Just take a few minutes. If you're uncomfortable with that, just stay in your chair and pray. You don't have to get up. But if you're okay with that, to stand and pray with somebody else. And um, I just want to wrap up right now in our prayer. And then I want to ask you to stand and pray with others for the direction of our nation, that the people of God would stand and rise to the occasion, live for the glory of God, to charge and not retreat, to support and to recognize uh, what's going on in this area. Mighty God, we love you. I thank you for your word. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.